Okay, those words that I just shared with you. A student is not above his teacher. A servant is not above his master. It is enough for a student to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. That's Jesus talking there. And you probably pieced that together already. And what he's doing is he's unfolding this intimate relationship that he wants to see exist between himself and those who follow him. Those who learn from him. Those who put themselves under his feet, so to speak, and sit at the feet of the master. Does that make sense? To which Jesus says, you're not going to be unlike me. You're not going to to experience things outside of what I experienced. No, you are going to be like me. And it's enough. It's enough for you to be like me. In fact, if you want to be a follower of me, then you should expect nothing less than to be like who I am, to do the things that I do, and to experience the things that I undergo, which sounds really cool at one level, right? Except, unfortunately, what Jesus is really kind of getting at in this passage is suffering. Jesus suffered. And if it is enough for a student to be like his teacher, a servant like his master, then following Jesus means we should expect nothing less than to suffer too. What Jesus is getting at is the idea that if we claim to be followers of him, this inevitably equals suffering. Now, Today is the last of the big 13. It is the last of Paul's letters that we have been exploring all year, and we come to what may be the last letter that he ever wrote. It's called 2 Timothy. It would seem that Paul is writing this letter from prison in Rome. And you get the sense, if you read this, that Paul knows this is it. He's not going free, and he doesn't expect to live. And he writes this letter to this, 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 well, he calls him a son in the faith. This guy who's like a son to him, his name is Timothy. And he writes to Timothy to encourage him, to, to, to spur him on, to, to kind of get behind him and go, Timothy, following Christ means suffering. And if you follow Christ, Timothy, you will suffer too. But he writes, endure, hang in there. Don't quit. Because it's better by far, and suffering for Christ is better than any degree of compromise or shame that comes from giving in. I like what this one theologian has to say. His name is Lewis Donaldson, and he writes, In 2 Timothy, suffering almost becomes the principal sign of a Christian. It's fascinating that we can mark what Christianity is supposed to look like in all kinds of, uh, all kinds of actions and characteristics and ways, right? But suffering becomes the principal sign of a Christian in 2 Timothy. And suffering is at least one of the things that connects the believer with Christ. I have heard it said before 
that if you are not suffering for Jesus, you are probably not actually following him. At the same time, do you want intimacy with Christ that will be born out of suffering with him? Because there is nothing like suffering in this world that binds people together closer. And the same is true with Jesus. Here's how Paul will write it. He'll say, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Timothy, join with me. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. And what this letter seeks to unpack is that suffering for Jesus is better by far than any other alternative. So Timothy, hang in there. Endure. Fight the good fight, he'll say. Suffer to the end. And then what Paul proceeds to do is explain this in a couple of different ways. He, he helps Timothy wrap his mind around this. He gives him three basic metaphors by which to come to grips with understanding why he's suffering and how to approach it when he finds himself in the midst of it. And it's those three things that I'd like to unpack for you out of this letter today. At one instance, he writes this. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Timothy, think of yourself like a soldier. Think of yourself like a soldier. I want you to get in your mind a soldier today, especially for those of you who did military service, had family members close to you that did. Get in your mind what it means to be a soldier because from what I've been able to gather, being a soldier equals suffering. There's boot camp. And then there's your mission. There's grueling days in the heat, monotony of work that has to be done, separation from your family for periods of time. Lack of control over your own destiny in your own life. Never deployed to nice places. It's always some desert somewhere or some jungle somewhere. Long hours, limited sleep. Not to mention the actual danger that might be faced and the pressure that comes with it, both mentally and spiritually from risking danger in combat. And heaven forbid if it comes to it dealing with the aftermath of that as well. Those of you who have served, am I, am I missing the point on this one? Or in many ways, is it true? Being a soldier equals suffering. Timothy, endure hardship like a soldier of Christ. I remember my dad telling me stories of being out in the field for weeks at the time bitter cold, 
and nothing to keep you warm but like a, a jacket and a cigarette. Hungry, wet, sleep-deprived, counting down the days till you could come back in. I remember him telling me how he got orders to go to Vietnam on his birthday. Happy birthday to me. Endure hardship with us like a soldier of Jesus Christ. I was looking around this week for different pictures, ideas of this. And and I want to read you something about what, what it's generally considered one of the more elite, if not the most elite unit, not only in the U.S. Army, but the world, the U.S. military, but the world, but the Navy SEALs. I want to show you a picture. I want to show you a picture and I want to read to you off their website what it's like to become a SEAL. Early on in their training, every SEAL candidate has to go through something called Hell Week. Have you heard of this? Let me read their description to you. Hell Week consists of five and a half days of cold, wet Brutally difficult operational training on fewer than four hours asleep. And they don't mean a night. Hell Week tests physical endurance, mental toughness, pain and cold tolerance, teamwork, attitude, and your ability to perform work under high physical and mental stress and sleep deprivation. Above all, it tests determination and desire. On average, only 25% of SEAL candidates make it through Hell Week. It is often the greatest achievement of their lives, and with it comes the realization that they can do 20 times more than they ever thought possible. It is a defining moment that they reach back to when in combat. Over the years, research has been done to determine a common trait in those individuals who make it through Hell Week. Without definitive answer, they are not necessarily the largest or strongest men, nor the fastest swimmers, but those with burning desires to be SEALs. Trainees are constantly in motion, running, Swimming, paddling, carrying boats on their heads, doing log PT, sit-ups, push-ups, rolling in the sand, slogging through mud, paddling boats and doing surf passage. Being still can be just as challenging. When you're standing interminably in formation, soaking wet on the beach or up to your waist in the water... With the cold ocean wind cutting through you, mud covers uniforms, hands, and faces, everything but your eyes. The sand chafes raw skin, and the salt water makes cuts burn. Students perform evolutions that require them to think, lead, make sound decisions, and functionally operate when they are, sleep, when they are extremely sleep-deprived, approaching hypothermia and even hallucination. While trainees get plenty to eat, some are so fatigued that they fall asleep in their food. Others fall asleep while paddling boats, fall over, and have to be pulled out of the water by teammates. Throughout Hell Week, instructors with bullhorns entice trainees to quit, mimicking the inner voice that tells you to give in to your physical pain. The instructors make it easy, even honorable, for students to come out of the cold 
Simply ring the bell that signals defeat and enjoy coffee and donuts in front of your suffering former classmates. SEAL candidates commonly have the mistaken belief that Hell Week is all about physical strength. It's as much mental as it is physical. Trainees just decide that they are too cold, too sandy, too sore, or too tired to go on. It's in their minds. It's their minds that give up on them, not their bodies. Instructors apply great physical and mental stress, sow the seeds of doubt, and give tempting invitation for trainees to quit. It's up to the individual student to either turn it into increased resolve or decide on his own to quit. Read 2 Timothy, and you will hear it come out beginning to end. Timothy, don't ring that bell. Timothy, whatever you do, do not ring that bell. Timothy, you are a soldier of Christ, and I know it's hard, and I know you're suffering. Do not ring the bell. I know you've given all you've got. Do not ring the bell. I know you think you don't have the strength to endure. Timothy, do not ring the bell. Because what Paul discovered is that suffering for Christ is better than anything in its alternative. That the reward, if you'll bear me the word, for suffering for Christ is better than any level of compromise or shame that rings the bell rather than endures for him. Paul discovered that, that, that following Jesus is, is better by far. And he'll write about ideas of what it means, things like salvation and eternal glory, about reigning with Christ someday, about God's mission on this world. Timothy, you've got a mission, and it's vital. If soldiers don't train, people die. Christians, if you don't train, souls die. God has a mission for this world, and it isn't about your happiness. It's about a rescue operation bigger than anything the SEALs have ever conducted. Whatever you do, hear him in the letter. Don't ring that bell. He switches gears. And he gives another metaphor. Here it is. Similarly, think about yourself as a soldier, but think about yourself in this way as well. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Timothy, think of yourself as a soldier. Think of yourself as an athlete as well. Anyone do sports here? Anyone train here? Explains a lot in your weight. 
All right. It's not just the Olympic level. Every summer, I, I drive by Alden Hebron High School. It's right there in 47. The football field is out in front, and, and, and you got to go buy it to get to this ice cream place called Dairy. <laughs> and every August, they're out there. The high school athletes, the football players, they're doing two-a-days. It's 95 degrees and humid. They're geared up. The weight and the heat. They're doing up-downs. They're doing push-ups. They're doing tackle drills. The coach is yelling at them. It's so much easier to keep going a half more mile up the road and say, forget this. Ice cream. But I've never seen someone get the victor's crown for eating ice cream. Timothy, think of yourself as an athlete. To be an athlete means suffering. It means straining yourself. It means pushing yourself. It means hanging in there when you want to quit. It means, as Paul puts it, beating your body and making it your slave. It means pushing yourself to the nth degree. Do this for Jesus, Timothy. Think of yourself in this way. Now, there's a clip I want to show you. And uh, it comes from, uh, admittedly, a very hokey Christian movie. But out of this movie is this stellar five-minute clip that, in my opinion, rivals anything a Rocky movie has ever thrown our way. I want you to climb into the mind of this right now. And watch this today. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. Good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Am I the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. I ain't done. 
Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach. What is it, Jeremy? I wear 160. All right, who's next? Did you see him there? Paul, 
in Timothy? Did, did you see him there? Don't quit. Don't quit. I know it hurts. Don't quit. I know it burns. Let it burn. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up on me now, Timothy. Don't give up on me. 30 more feet. 20 more steps. You're almost there. Don't quit. Do you hear it? Read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and it'll jump off the page. It's a coach's letter. Suffer for Christ. Put yourself on the line and don't tell yourself what you can't do because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I love what Paul writes. Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power. Not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Do you hear God's words? Don't quit. Don't quit. I know it burns. I know it's hard. Don't give up on me now. See it all the way. Don't quit. Because I will be with you to the end of the age. Don't quit. The Spirit's alive in you. Don't quit. He's given you power. Don't quit. Hang in there because suffering for Christ now does not compare with the glory of Jesus to be endured and to be revealed. Now, I kind of like got on this like movie kick because, you know, you see one, it starts to like overflow. I got one more clip for you, all right? It's the end of May, so we're doing movies in May. Here you go. They say Messi doesn't talk much. They're wrong. He's been preaching to us all along. If you look, you can hear him. He's saying, don't go down, brothers and sisters. Don't go down. When life kicks you and tries to tackle you, don't go down. When your legs are heavy and your lungs are burning, don't go down. When you have every reason to go down, do not go down. You can't defy the odds when you're down. You can't make someone a believer when you're down. Messi is spreading the word. Don't let things on the outside be stronger than what's on the inside. Because life has more in store for you. The ball, Messi! If you just stay up. Rock the message, Gatorade. (laughs) Was it Francis of Assisi who said this? Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Let me tell you that your suffering speaks. And what you do in the midst of your suffering speaks louder than any message that will ever come from your lips. It's where it's shown 
what your devotion looks like. It's where it's shown what this Christ means to you. It's where it's shown his glory and who he is and what he does for people at the darkest, lowest, most beaten and kicked, downtrodden places of your life. Don't go down. Paul writes to that pastor because you've got a role to play. Don't go down. But lead the way because God has chosen you. And God will work through you. And it will be harder than you could have ever dreamed. Don't go down because salvation, eternal glory, victor's crowns, and mission success await. Timothy, Christians, endure for the sake of Jesus. Give it all it takes. There's one more metaphor he gives. Farming. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. I live out rural. If McHenry is the outskirts of suburbia, then, then Hebron is the, the front line of farmland that extends out to, I don't know, Denver or something like that. It's not a lot of the big agro farm, you know, the agro industry farms. It's a lot of small plots, family farms. They're not getting rich. The few farmers I've talked to, you know what I've discovered? It's suffering. It's hard work. Up before human beings should be up. And, and, and with the technology that's supposed to make life easier, now working 24-hour days because lights are available in the field. To scrape by maybe that year. Farming is suffering. But stick at it and there's a crop. Stick at it and there's fruit. Was it Jesus that said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? Maybe it would be Paul who would then say, go, so go suffer in the harvest field. It'll be hot. Your skin will crack and peel. But there's a harvest to be brought in. And it matters to God. Timothy, do you hear me? Don't forsake your calling. Endure for Jesus today. This is what the letter of 2 Timothy is about. Suffering for Christ, which is better by far, no matter the cost. Why? How? How in the midst of it? Because it gets hard, doesn't it? Here's what he says. Remember Jesus Christ. For it is 
enough for a student to be like his teacher in a servant like his master. Jesus suffered and you'll suffer too, but Jesus is risen. Remember that, Timothy. For it is enough for the student to be like the teacher in that way too. This is my gospel. Victory. Hope. No matter the cost. The one whom you suffer for. Risen from the dead. And he says, here's a trustworthy saying, and he writes this. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Something tells me we need to say this together. Let's get up. I'll say a line you repeated. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. But if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. Now you could say it, but here's what's important. Do you believe it? Because I tell you, it's believing that that makes suffering possible. It's believing that that gives the strength to endure. And Paul writes to Timothy that that makes all the difference. I'm going to invite the van to come forward. And while they do, I want to invite you to come to God in those crossroads of suffering, those, those places of decision to suffer or not to suffer, to endure or to give up for the sake of Christ in your life. And at whatever places you've given up, you've turned away, you've driven down the road, you've forsaken the call, whatever they might be, Let's come back to God today. And let's ask him for the heart to do what needs to be done in his name. To ask his forgiveness for every time that we have disowned or proven faithless and to remember that Jesus is risen and invites us into that hope today. So just pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done 
and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Jesus suffered for you. Jesus died for you. And because he endured, it changes everything. May what he has done for you transform you from the inside out today. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. He took a cup after supper. He gave thanks. He gave it to them and said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come and do this in remembrance of me.